Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, let's do it live on a Victory Monday edition of the program, brought to you by Tito's Handmade Vodka, Merely Bo, the great Gibbe in. I could use some Tito's right about now. I tell you. I think it's going to be a week, kids. If, if there's a... If there's someone in the building that has access, bring it on in. Um, yeah, we got a lot going on, brother. Everybody's Just a little sick. bit. The whole the whole area is sick. Yes, the state of Ohio is ill. Everyone's fighting that off. So you got that going on. Z's not here because he's who knows he's he got was done in. We're doing the game Saturday. It's fine. Everything's great. No problems. About two minute warning before halftime. Yeah, I hear a crack. And I just look up, and I go, "What?" I see. I'm not. Too I'm much. It's too much. It's yep. too much. It's a Monday. It's he a can't Monday. handle it. I'm, Swag can't I'm not. I'm like not that. the guy that's gonna. That I can tell you what he's that, got going on. Yeah. he's got a lot of good stuff. Yes, he does. That's how he operates. He would have access to some of that. stuff. I would think he might. Yep. At the two minute warning, there's a crack. I literally look up. I go, "Oh no." Halftime. I said, "Don't you leave this booth. Don't go talk to anybody." And he goes, eh, it's just a little crack. I'm like, no. uh, well, we're going to need no. to get this. We're, we have another two hours here, kids. Yeah, buddy. And, and I sent young Connor. I'm like, go find me as much tea yep. and lemon as possible. Have him start sucking it down like it's just vodka or tequila. <laughs> like, get Feel it going. The spirit of your choosing. And he was good up until, like, the very end. And then he just got excited yeah. because he thought he was done, not remembering that he had the two-minute drill downstairs to sure. tape. So the video guys are like, what did you do to him? I'm like, he was fine until the two-minute warning, yeah. and then he just kind of let it go. And Well, the funny thing about us in this profession that we've chosen is that, you know, a lot of people have a scratchy voice, and you can, you know, like you still go to the job. Like this one, this part is important. This mechanism is kind of the key to the whole operation. 100%. So when it starts to go and – you know, now this time of year, I mean, I've never seen people this sick. Like, is that so many people sick? It is a crazy amount. So, but I, I will say this. I um was I was was watch the game. We had uh, basketball all throughout the weekend, and so I caught a lot. Of course, uh, boy, that out in Hiram, by the way, that's gorgeous gym, gorgeous old barn out there. The uh, the college, yeah, yeah, it was awesome. It's a nice little facility. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I ended up listening. So I DVR the game, watched the game live when I could, and then was listening. And I would just say, and I would say this to him if he was here right now, that that's a pure joy broadcast in a win. Jim is the best in the business and Z's enthusiasm for it all. And the way you run it, it was awesome. It was, you feel like you're there. I mean, you really do. You're driving around. You feel like you're in the booth with you guys. It was a hell of a call. It's made better. Of course by a win um that helps and so it is 13 to 3 it is a victory monday edition of the program um there was a moment gibbe second half where um we got huntley huntley back-to-back sacks uh, miles and then perry and miles yep. and there was uh after on the perry and miles one there was the the little dance and the celebration and as i'm watching this thing I'm thinking to myself that the only thing, the overwhelming thought I had was, uh, good for you, you two, 
good for you all on that field, good for you all on that sideline, good for you all in that building. Um, it was a. This has been a tough year. This has not gone the way that we had hoped that it would go. <laughs> Correct. Needless to say, um, and if you watched around the league yesterday, you saw some of the most heartbreaking, absurd finishes in the history of the sport, and we've had one of those. Yeah, against the Jets, we we lived it. I mean, but, we walked into Friday. The, the score is going. This is all going to be a horrible weekend for football. Eh, it was. I think we were. I, I think we were a little entertaining. <laughs> but you know, you got a snow globe night in Cleveland. It was awesome. You got. I mean, the white face masks look amazing. I prefer the white pants, but I understand the the, the love of this look. Uh, the white the white face masks looked amazing. You saw give a damn. And one thing that is really important this time of year um, is that 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 that's there, that you want to be there, that there is belief. There isn't anybody in that locker room downstairs right now who quit on anybody in this organization, anybody on the coaching staff, anybody in the front office, ownership, didn't quit for you, the fan. They fought like hell in a kind of a sluggish, you know, the field goal stuff. It's brutal, man. It's brutal to miss that stuff. It's tough. Um, but what you got was – an incredible amount of give a damn to get a win against a division rival, keep a glimmer of playoff hope alive, damage their chances at winning the division. Yep. You do Cincinnati a favor in this case. Cincinnati's going to catch them anyway. Um, but there, I was happy for all of those reasons, but mostly because you saw players who still were having a ball playing the sport who cared tremendously to be there. It, it was a it was a fantastic game. Uh, shout out to all the fans. That came, yeah. stuck it out, uh, because there there were some ugly moments. It, but that that is AFC North football. It is, and that's AFC North football when you have two really good football teams. Mm -hmm. That is what your football team, and this is what we thought that we were getting all along. I mean, that's you hoped. The, I mean, you, the, the you first wanted... month of the year, <clears throat> yeah, you know, you, you pull out the rest of whatever hair I have left on my head, but right. The, the defense is just playing well. And every week, Deshaun Watson takes another step. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, the offense takes a step around him. Better protection, better job by the offensive line against a premier defensive front. Yeah, that defense was a top-five defense in the league. Yeah, your running game got going. Mm -hmm. Everybody's finding their way with a new quarterback, and it's starting to settle in. I know it's only 13 points, but – you weren't going to score 40 on the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Great game. There's Good effort all the way around. The, the third down play, again in the second half, where um, Baltimore's in, in cover zero full blitz, and Deshaun runs like a bat out of hell, and he gives the bow and arrow, you know, the, the bow and arrow uh, celebration on the end of it and points first down, and you go, that's it. There's the moxie. That's it. That's no, what you're, we're you're waiting on that, right? You were, we've been waiting to get a little taste of that. It's been building towards that. When you take somebody that is this supremely talented, you knew it was going to click eventually. And he's even acknowledged he's still not where he needs to be. He's not there. Um, I think probably hoped that it would come quicker, that he would jump right back in. But 700 days is 700 days, and it's been felt. And trying to sort out with new guys, all of that's been felt. But you are seeing with each passing snap an improvement that's tangible, and you can see it. He's more comfortable. The people around him are more comfortable. He lifts 
everybody else too. You can see it even on the defense. His his impact, his presence is so obvious. Um, that was a fun one, man. I'm I'm happy that I, I was thrilled that everybody involved got to got to feel that Saturday night down at the stadium because you're not going to feel a damn thing this Saturday. Well, you're going to feel something cold. Well, maybe wind. I, and then nothing. Let, then let's go. Digits might fall off. No, you know what it is. You need a coat like it, that one right yeah, there. That that one right there. That's the coat. Ice beer, baby. Ice beer is making a return this weekend. Like slushies. Slushies. Beer slushies. That I might love be, it. I love what it. it is. So, folks, if you haven't – and look, there's a lot going on. It's the holiday week. Uh, it's the perfect game to go to. It is. Because the family's home. You're probably tired of the family by Saturday. Dress appropriately. Go to the stadium. So the First energy. Here is your uh, – I said you might not be able to feel anything by the time we get to Saturday. Uh, as of right now, and keep in mind this is a Monday, as of right now, a high temperature of 17. Balmy. Yep. A real feel temperature of minus 14. Perfect. Yep. The uh, the average wind, 35 miles an hour. Your maximum wind gusts, can I interest you in 63 miles an hour. The entire league is getting this. I was going to say. All the North yep. is getting this thing. It's all coming yep. Christmas week. This is going to be a scene, man. Normally, I was talking to my wife about this. Normally, by like the first or second weekend in December, yeah. you've got your first snowfall. Like, substantial. Yeah, yeah, for Like sure. your first slap across yeah. the face of winter. Mm-hmm. We have not gotten that. No. That has not come. I don't remember the last time that we had more than like a couple inches of snow for Christmas. I. Uh, you're going to have a little more than that. Oh, yeah. Going to have, uh, even if the main part of the storm doesn't hit us, yeah. you're going to end up with a tremendous amount of snow. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun, kids. <laughs> I sat in the dog pond. I made snowballs, allegedly. They, they, <laughs> maybe. You're going to need, yeah, just bundle up. Like, think about Buffalo bundle Saturday Bundle up, night. kids. Yeah, yeah. Put the extra layers on. Get the warmers. Get yeah. the toe warmers. Get the hand warmers. And And by the way, you think New Orleans is looking forward to coming here? Oh, boy. No, no. We want you Every to leave t- the Dome in Louisiana and, and come, come here. to Cleveland. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what. Having played in temperatures like this many, many years ago, everything just hurts worse. Yeah. Run from contact is is the operation. So um, you have that to look forward to, which is nice. There is a glimmer of playoff hope that is out there flickering. Um, it was done some favors by New England losing. It was done some favors by the Jets losing. It's a minimal amount. Um, you need a lot of help. Um, but every time the Jets, the uh, the Patriots lose, um, if the Chargers or Dolphins can lose, although those are more tall tasks, all of those things help. And you so just, it was a good weekend in that sense and that those two teams lost. You just keep winning. Yeah, you got to go nine and eight. Yeah, and you're gonna need some help. Yeah, but guess what? On the little on the little chart last night, there's that brown helmet. There's that brown and orange helmet. Yep, you're in the mix, and you're in the mix. It was um, so yesterday as you had a chance to actually watch football, and I wanted to get your thoughts on the World Cup thing too as well, um, because that was unbelievable. Yeah, you had. I don't think I've ever seen um, what I saw uh, in Vegas. With New England, I, I've never seen. I, the only thing I can think is Jacoby Myers must have thought they were losing. There's no other reason for him yeah. to just blank do what he did, other than to think that they had that they were losing the game. Like they were clearly playing for overtime, they just ran it. 
Uh, Belichick said afterwards, well, we didn't have a quarterback could throw it all the way, um, which is not a great <laughs> endorsement. Uh, but it was an example of – I think he had to think. If you hooked him up to a lie detector, he would have had to have thought they were losing. Um, but there was that. There was the Cowboys loss. Just stupefying results around the league. Batted balls leading into intercept or uh, in interceptions the way the Cowboys lost. Last night on Sunday Night Football, the commies losing the way they did, where Terry McLaurin's like, I'm on the line, right? Moves up. I'm good. Nope. Penalty. Bad weekend for the officials oh. in the NFL. Top to bottom. It really Awful. Was. Every game, really significant was. missed calls. Yeah. Or blown calls. Yeah. yeah. Um, this one this one goes in the books for us. Six and eight now on the season. A winning record, I think, matters for this team. Um, Gibby, I also I think, and this goes back to the point I was making off the top about Miles and Perion and all of that. Um, the feel of it's important. I think it's important for Deshaun to go five and one. You know, with with Deshaun Watson as the quarterback, um, even if you don't make the postseason, that gets you to nine and eight. That's a winning record, um, a winning season. It gets you into next season with a ton of momentum and belief. And this is a sport where the margins are so thin that belief goes a long way. And I I think this team can have it if it finishes. You can see it starting to build a little bit. Yeah, I, the, every week he gets more and more comfortable. Yeah playing there were moments under center moments out of the shotgun yeah. uh his ability to run and make plays with his legs uh the arm accuracy you could you could tell Amari Cooper it was really the first week he and Coop I think were really dialed in together yeah and Coop made some great plays I mean your your playmakers are all on the field DPJ with some good plays he had a big touchdown Najoku hurdled someone again yep you know and God, he's just walking around. Just walk. I, Saturday, let's see it without the shirt on. Let's see what happens swag? without the shirt on. Was no. that swag? No, Najoku. Oh, chief, chief. I'm talking about. I thought you, no. you gestured. No, 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 no. Swag. I, was I'm pointing at the, the camera. I'm like oh, Najoku. At the camera. I got you. It's it's all fun and games until you go out in a blizzard without the shirt. Don't do it. Yes, baby. No, Come it's on. too. Cr- you got it. We'll ask Gerard this because he'll definitely have some tricks. Um, but I can talk- ask Gerard how many layers he wore on Saturday because when I thought he was done layering up, more there was another layer, and then there was another layer. Yeah, it, it was like doing a shot every ten minutes, <laughs> but it was instead him putting on another layer of clothing. And the problem with the layer, I mean, the one thing about the layer wearing, which is the only way you can do it, but then when you take it all off, it feels like everything opens. <laughs> Because he's so constricted. Everything's so constricted uh, all night. He'll have some tips probably, too, on the cold weather. Yeah. Again, though, you're just – you're seeing players make plays. I mean, we were terrified. We didn't know what we were going to get out of the linebacker position simply because of how many guys are down. The last two weeks, we've lost a linebacker for the year. Taki Taki. Mm -hmm. uh, J-O-K. And it was just next minute. Deion Jones had a fantastic game. Yep. at the linebacker position. And and I know people are going to say, well, I mean, Dobbins was getting almost 10 yards a carry. Okay, but they didn't score touchdowns. It was a bend but don't break yeah. is what it was. It was we'll give you every – and then, by the way, Mr. Never Misses misses field goals. Two. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that doesn't happen. No. That guy doesn't miss. We were talking about that last week on the show. What were the distances on those two? Uh, he, uh, Tucker field goals. He had the 153-yarder. and then he, he missed a 48 and a 50. Okay, so they're right on that edge, but like those he does not miss normally, like historically at all, uh, and missed a couple of them. Cade hit two, missed two, um, and so that's 
you know, that's a, a if that was the only thing I will say is as you were in the fourth quarter and you're saying just let's just put this thing away. One more field one goal more is going it. to get us where we need to be, we think. Yeah, and you could at that point I was uh, en route and I heard Jim Jimmy talking about it. He was, you know, just almost like begging for one so that it could be we're done, right? I mean, that we're just give me one so we're done. And um and it it just didn't happen. Well, so and, and if he you, does have to figure out yeah, that stadium because it's in his head now a little bit. Um it's amazing what he what he does in warm up and all of that, but the stadium's different. We've talked about it with Bernie, we've talked about it with Phil Dawson. Like it's just the thing is a different animal, and you can feel, you can see that it's mental for him because it's it's not skill. The skill's oh, there in spades. It, it it was maddening, mm-hmm. and that was the only part because you were on the cusp of winning yeah. this football game, and really just if you had gotten another touchdown, I it it could have turned into a little bit of a rout. Yep. But like you went, you went interception, fumble, block field goal, turnover on downs. And you're coming away with nothing. Yeah, it's tough. You know, you missed on two of those. You missed field goals, and you're just like, "Come on, let's go, let's go!" Like, it, it, and there was never any. I don't think the Ravens showed you a lot of panic because I think the Ravens were like, "Well, we've done this before on them." Yeah, but this time the defense they really could not come back. No, no. I mean, you're right on the Dobbins ten yards of carry. Um, Huntley was Huntley. There was nothing spectacular there, but it was just every time you needed a stop, you got one, um, and you got a win that feels pretty damn good for everybody. Thirteen yeah. to three, it goes in the books again. Great job. I had a number of friends that were at the game. They said it was just awesome. Everybody's hanging out like the sing-alongs, the in that the in-game so cool. entertainment. It was like, like a snow globe. Yes, in the fourth quarter when you knew you were going to win the game, just a big party. Yeah, and that's what it's going to be Saturday, Fan Appreciation Day. Come on out. Let's go. I'll be there. I think we I might have to leave at like four in the morning to get there. Can, can, but. can we have? Can can you build fires in like the aisles? I, I don't. I don't know what. I, I'm like. Do I have like to spend the night at First Energy? Like, do I have to sleep like in the in the booth? Just I'll so I know you, that I'm there. I mean, this is if if this holds. It's a significant weather event. Is what it's yeah. being called. If this holds, this is a red right eighty eight situation. I mean, like that temperature, that temperature, feel like yes. temperature minus fourteen is a full day. Yep, that's a full day. By the way, uh, text from uh, my pops this morning out on the Ponderosa, wind chill minus fifty out in Big Sky Country. Yeah, no so thanks. That to look forward to. Yeah. So like, every time you see Yellowstone, you're like, boy, I can't wait to move out there and move cows in sixty six degrees. No, no. That's what's going on out there right now. How many months out of the year is the weather, like, pristine? It's, just a, it's a, you know, oh, like, probably three or four, you know, June, July, August, September. Not that different than us. It's just much colder. When, when it gets bad. cold, it gets. Yeah, like Denver, I saw this. Denver has, like, 47 Thursday. This is what happens out west. Denver has 47, like, on Thursday, and then minus 13 on Friday. Like, you have those 60 degree temperature swings uh that happen um happy birthday happy 29th birthday to the great brad mellon the pursuit of excellence continues with him the equipment equipment manager the great man uh happy birthday to him amen very good yeah one of the multi winners of the uh nfl equipment manager of the year award yep maybe one day we'll get a hoodie who knows maybe maybe one day you know what i think would be great if he just brought him up here right now 
one time Segura's shot. watching the stream. And like we just if you could only on. get it hey, once. Sorry you weren't here today. This was the one time you could get it. If you're not in the building, you can't. Yeah, guess what came today? That's the way that that goes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wanted to throw something at you. This was a uh, – we don't need a big, long discussion, but I just want to throw something at you. All things considered, is it in play that that World Cup final was the greatest sporting event of all time? Messi's historical situation. Maradona passes this year for Argentina. It's two zip to three to three three to PKs. Mbappe had his hat trick. Messi has two goals. Like it's all anyone was talking about yesterday morning, whether it was social or in and out of basketball stuff. Leading into the NFL, it's the only thing anyone was talking about. It's amazing. It, I mean, think it, about it, it the it, historical it, perspective, yeah. like he became maybe the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Mbappe maybe will have a chance to chase him. All of that. Well, it's crazy. And how often do you get a, essentially a game of that magnitude when the two superstars just say, hop on my back, I'm going to carry us. And yeah. literally it became a heavyweight fight between those two. It's crazy. I, it was 2 nothing awesome. in the 78th minute. Oh, I I'm know. like, this is over. It's going to happen. This, like is, this, this is, is the one thing that he didn't do is win for a country, and it was held against him in any sort of greatest of all time conversation, lunacy. which is crazy. Like the fact that Argentina can do that with the population and so forth. Um, it was the one thing, and it, he knew it. And then Mbappe goes boom, boom in the 80th, 81st. You go, well, I mean, France is the best footballing country in the world and has been for the last 20 years or so. They were going for their third cup in the last 25 years, back to back cups. And the Mbappe kid's 23. Like yep. You could have won two cups at 23. I mean, now all of a sudden you're chasing Pele for most cups. All, all that. It, it was heady stuff, man. It was great theater. It, it really was. Um, it, a lot of kids watching. A lot of people oh, watching. The everyone eyeballs, was, I bet the numbers on it are going to be astronomical. Youth soccer a year from now. Where are we at? Well, then we won't be anywhere. Going to have a little bit of a spike. One other thing. Well, true. One other thing I'll say quickly on it. It's He's the latest in a line of that includes, like, Tiger Woods, the Williams sisters, LeBron James, and and him, who were identified at 15 or 16 as different and then delivered on all of it. Like, you think what we've watched for the last 20 years of, hey, uh, pay attention to this guy. He's going to be great. And then, God almighty, they did it. Yeah. They exceeded it. Like, that's all. Usually, I mean, you think about the, the pressure of expectation, the burden of it, and to live up to all of that. And he was another one. It was an amazing it. game. It was. Kicked yeah. off at a ridiculously stupid weekend in the Crazy NFL. weekend in the well, league. Saturday kicked off the stupid weekend. Oh, that's true. 33 to nothing. We forget about that. 33 to nothing. The Colts are up on, on the Vikes. Um, big win for us, so and it's fun to do a Victory Monday. And with that Victory Monday, Tito's Handmade Vodka, proud to support the Cleveland Browns through the Tito's Victory Vodka program, $1,000 donation to the Cleveland Animal Protective League, helping to foster compassion and end animal suffering. Thank you, Tito's. And remember to please enjoy Tito's Handmade Vodka responsibly. Sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka, 80% Tito's, uh, 80, 80 proof rather, Tito's Handmade Vodka, 40% alcohol by volume, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas, crafted to be savored responsibly. Your head coach, Coming up next, you listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on a Victory Monday right here on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
and he takes a knee with 40 seconds left to go and Watson celebrating out in front looking to the sky clapping to the fans with the game ball his first start for the Browns at First Energy Stadium is a win but what a win in the AFC North over the Baltimore Ravens the Browns will win it 13 to 3. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Jimmy's the best. I mean, just crushes every single every single fastball is gone. 425 right down the middle. Uh, the Bath Authority gives you the bathroom of your dreams. Why not transform your current bathroom into a custom bath? That'll make it feel like a spa. Let the Bath Authority make it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is Cleveland's premier bath and shower remodeler, expert, and factory-trained installers. You give them a call now, you get 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. The number is 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. It's where affordability meets quality and the largest selection of bath projects, all made in the United States. Change your bathroom from outdated to outstanding. Acrylic tubs that insulate and keep the heat in. Tub-to-shower conversions as well. Superior products with expert installers at thebathauthority.com at 216-220-8399. 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower model. Just tell them that both sent you. Check them out at thebathauthority.com. And now here's your head coach, Kevin Stefanski, at the podium. Okay, injury report. Uh, J.D., Jadavion Clowney is in the concussion protocol. Uh, John Johnson has a thigh contusion. You know, like I talked to you guys about last night, uh, really proud of the effort, proud of the guys to fight versus a really good football team, division opponent, uh, you know, night game, all those things. Just was a really, really hard-fought, uh, solid team win uh, that we set out to, to go achieve. So uh, proud of the effort. And then we got to get to uh, get to know the Saints this week, a, a team that we really haven't played uh, since I've been here. Um, so we really got to do our homework and understand our opponent coming in next week. That's where our focus goes. But I will take any questions you guys have. Uh, yes, Kevin, just wondering, um, why is Deshaun so well suited to, you know, the no huddle? How much leeway are you giving him in terms of, you know, what he can do when he's out there? And are you just really starting to imagine all the possibilities of all the things that uh, that this player can do for you? Yeah, you know, I think Deshaun certainly is getting more and more comfortable. Mary Kay and what we're doing. Uh, we, we did do some no huddle in uh, this last game. We did some no huddle down at Cincinnati. It's been part of who we've been this season. Uh, back when we played Baltimore in the first game, we did some no huddle with Jacoby. So it's certainly uh, part of our system. And I think it's really game by game, uh, the matchups, the certain things you're trying to do dictate how often and if you get into it at all. So uh, this week you could be in no huddle the whole game. You may not get into it at all, really just depending on what you're expecting from your opponent. And when he talks about, you know, hey, I can do the kinds of things that Patrick can do. Let me have a chance to do the no lookers and and all that stuff. Are, are you, you know, how excited are you uh, that he can do that kind of stuff? Yeah, I, you know, I, I see it in practice, Mary Kay. So I, I certainly know what uh, Deshaun is, is capable of. Uh, and he sees it really, really well. He had some plays in, in the game yesterday. Uh, you know, one in particular that I'm thinking about where he has an uncanny ability to, to make some throws in tight, tough windows. So uh, it's definitely a part of his game and a part of that our game that will continue to grow. Hey, Kevin, I was wondering the, the run game. Um, when you went back and watched it, why were you able to have um, good success against a really tough run defense? Yeah, they are really tough, uh, Scott. I think they were maybe six going into it. Um, 
they have they have a very good scheme and they got very good players. They're they're stout up front. They got good edge players. The two linebackers are very very instinctive and fast safeties that can fill. So we knew it was going to be a challenge. Uh, we tried to get into some advantageous looks for us uh, throughout the game, and then really in the second half, I'm really just proud of the guys. I think we possessed the ball over 11 minutes in the fourth quarter, and I know it didn't have a ton of points to show for it, but kept the ball away from them, grinded it out uh, when we needed to. Like what were the week before in Cincinnati? Obviously, wasn't as good. So, what did you think you guys did better? Yeah, it's all you know. It's it's complicated. <laughs> you know, it's it's a bunch of different things. I'd start with myself and, and us as coaches, making sure we give these guys a plan that that they can execute, asking them to do things that they can do. Uh, and then I thought again, the individual effort was outstanding. The offensive line was really really good. Uh, you know, in the run game and in the protection, I thought they protected very very well uh, yesterday. But you win some one-on-one matchups up front, and that's when Nick and Kareem can get going, uh, making one guy miss, and then and they can be big plays. Hey, Kevin, when we talked to Joe Woods on, uh, I think it was Wednesday, he talked about simplifying the defense so the guys could play fast. Did that happen, and, and how, how do you condense that uh, defensive game plan? Yeah, you know, it's always a unique game plan when you're playing – Baltimore. They have a varied attack. As you know, they can get big. They they have the quarterback run game that you have to concern yourself with. So you're always trying to play simple, but give your guys answers, give your guys some some different movements or what it, what it may be to try to stop, slow down that run. So uh, at times we did it, at times they got us and, and, you know, they had some good plays. They had some good schemes. Uh, at the end of the day, we made enough plays in, in some critical moments uh, but we're going to continue to try to put together a plan that gives our guys a chance to play fast. So really three of the last four games, especially maybe Cincinnati, not as much, but the defense has really played well. What do you think has been the the difference? Yeah, you know, I, I can kind of just think about yesterday. I mean, guys played, we made plays. I think that's, it's always a, a game where, where you got to make some plays. And I think you know, Denzel making a big interception, John Johnson having a big force fumble. Uh, uh, you know, we've alluded to takeaways, how important they are, because it does cover you up. You, can, you may give up some plays uh, in the course of a drive, but when you take it away, that ultimately is what you're looking to do. Uh, yeah, just um, in, in looking at JJ3's game, it, it looked to me like that was kind of I would think maybe his best game of the season. Just wondering if you sort of saw it that way. And also, um, you know, in the past, he's done so many different things, played so many different roles. Do you think there's more to JJ three that, that meets the eye? And then as you guys go forward, can you pull more out of him? Yeah, I can't think it's hard for me to compare to the rest of the season, but speaking of yesterday, he, he was all over the field, you know, he's our green dot. So he makes the calls in that huddle. So when he's not out there, obviously there's a transition uh, that has to take place, but, you know, I think he was around the ball. I thought he tackled well. Uh, he's the type of guy, he does have versatility where we do can play him down low. We can play him in the post. He can play half field. So he does kind of show up and then, you know, he's played really well for us on our punt team as well. Kevin, you referenced it with getting the takeovers or the takeaways at the end of, you know, to stop some of those drives that they were having. Um, but like, is there a good lesson there for the guys that, Hey, you can give up almost 200 yards rushing, but if you make the right plays at the right time, you can still win games. Yeah, I, I do think there's, it's why we put so much emphasis on turnover margin and how we take care of the ball. I mean, zero giveaways versus that deep 
defense and that team is, is a big deal. And then taking it away versus that team is a very big deal. So it's definitely something you, you emphasize. In, in the course of emphasizing, you don't say, hey, let's give up a, a bunch of yards. Uh, but there is an element, as we all know, and, and you watch football on, on – you watch it today on Sunday. But there is bend but don't break. That does happen. Uh, on, on defense at times. And when you make a big play on, on a third down or a fourth down, uh, when you make a big play on first and 10, like JJ did to knock the ball out, those those are changing the course of the games when you talk about turning the ball over. Well, there's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns with the help of your favorite four-legged companion, Barking Backers, presented by Milk Bone, the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. Our sideline reporter, the great Gerard Cherry, going to join us next. His view of what he saw, sideline view. We'll also ask him what he's thinking uh, from a layering standpoint for this weekend. We have that to look forward to, which is nice. It is a Victory Monday presented by Tito's Handmade Vodka. You'll see Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. and goal. Peoples-Jones comes back into the backfield with Chubb and Watson from the Baltimore three. Here's Watson back looking, throwing, caught. Peoples-Jones got it and he goes in! Touchdown! Donovan Peoples-Jones! Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Fans of Browns defense recorded two sacks Saturday, and that means you were to free appetizers today at any participating Northeast Ohio Buffalo Wild Wings location. Terms and conditions apply. Buffalo Wild Wings, the greatest of all times. We head out on the hotline for a visit with our great friend Gerard Cherry, of course, on the sideline and the next level and all of that. A little joiner right now for you. Buddy, thanks for the time. Hey, I wanted to, Gibby wanted me to ask you right away uh, the, the number of layers you had on Saturday. What did you end up with? I'd say... Three. I had a turtleneck. A, okay. Also had something Under Armour garment, and then yep. I also had a jacket as well. So it wasn't as severe as I thought it would be, to be honest with you. But I, I also had a head covering. Also had a beanie hat on, and then I had some gray. I had some tights underneath that, and if you want to count my underwear as well. So I was pretty layered, dog. <laughs> you pretty good, brother. I was gonna say. I'm like, he had way more than three layers on. He started. I looked behind me at one point. We're like 45 minutes away from kick, and like Clay is helping him like put gear on and get him all situated. And I'm like, man, if you think this week's bad, have you looked ahead? What are we gonna do with next week? Have you looked ahead, Gerard? I I have looked ahead, and here's the crazy part: I was more my biggest concern going in this year about the sideline piece wasn't talking or anything like that. It was like, will I be able to actually communicate to you guys when it's cold out? Because Jay knows. I am not a fan of cold weather. Never mm-hmm. have been. Played in it and got through it, but you'll never hear me saying, this is football weather. Hell with that. <laughs> football weather, in my mind, is 80 degrees. I agree. So as someone who uh, made a living doing television before I did everything from the, the warmth of studios, I can tell you that what you will face uh, Saturday will be the hardest and the reason for exactly what you're talking about. Because what we'll, cause we're talking about 14 degrees and a field temp of like minus – eight or something like that Ooh, don't say if it holds yeah i know so the the hard thing is going to be your mouth will defy you it's like it doesn't right. make any sense but it is hard to talk it, it's almost like you're intoxicated 
because you cannot move your mouth the way you want to. So that will be something to, to be prepared for for Saturday, my friend. Well, certainly. Well, sometimes I talk too fast anyway, so it might just bounce itself out, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, look, this was I, I led the show with this. I thought it was um, I thought it was a really fun win. Um, was everything good? Perfect? No, far from it. Many things to work on, yes. Uh, but there was a play at the end of the in the third in the second half where there were a couple plays back to back where Miles got the two sacks and one of them was with Perry on, and you just saw the celebration and the dancing. And I just think, you know what? This is an organization that this did not go according to plan this season. But there was that that was a moment where like on this night in the slow in a snow globe. Let's have a little fun and beat a division rival. And to me, that felt like what it was on Saturday. It felt like a, a nice party for everyone involved. I'm talking fans, team, everybody. Yeah, and it, and it definitely felt that way as I observed it from the sideline as well, watching Perion as well as Miles celebrate that second. And Miles eventually give Perion credit for that, at least half of it. Is that how? I, I didn't even look at the, the stats of it. If Perion got half, Gibbe, did you take a look? I. It, it was going right, back and see. forth. The official scorer uh, had taken it away. No, he no. got it. He got it. He got a half sack. He did get a half. Yeah, yeah, so he, he did get his half sack. They both met the quarterback where he's supposed to meet him at, which is in the middle. But with that being said, guys, yeah, when you watched it, that was that was definitely a, a fun part of the game and watching the defense, though it had its issues with stopping the run. And, it, and it's funny with the whole stopping the run situation because obviously they amassed a lot of yards rushing the football. And a lot of people are like, why don't they just keep running? Well, the defense did a really good job of stopping them when they needed to. You can give up, and I'm not saying that you make this your calling card whatsoever, and when you're on a long part of the football field trying to go to the end zone, a 15, 20, 30, 40-yard run, yeah, that's going to hurt you, but if it's not in the red zone area or 30 or beyond, they're not scoring points, then you're good. So when you look at those yards, yeah, it's telling that they had success, and one of the reasons why they had success is that the Ravens, bow were simply saying, if you guys aren't going to get into – a numbers game with us where you have more guys or equal amount of guys to stop us, we're simply going to run. And they were doing that damn near to perfection. Obviously, again, when we need to sure things up, we did just that. So that was a certainly what you call a bend but don't break defensive effort on our part. Gerard, you, you, you know, this is – look, you're hanging on to a glimmer of a hope of the postseason. But the the other part of this that's that that is, I think, really important for a team that is at the time of this game, three games under 500 and now two – is give a damn level, right? right. You're trying to build. You're trying to build culture here, right? And Deshaun is going to be a one man culture tornado. Um, but it, but be a pro. Uh, have give a damn. Play hard to the stretch. I saw that on Saturday, and I felt good about it. Yeah, and that was encouraging because I've been tooting that all week, Bo. This idea of they remember the last four. They remember the last four, and they do remember the last four. And why do they remember the last four? Well, they remember the last four because when you don't technically. Although we do technically still have something to play for from a mathematically non-eliminated standpoint, they're observing. Who's the guy who's going to go out there and say they're not counting how many practices are left? Who's the guy who's saying, you know what, I don't care. I want to be a part of of the solution and not the problem. And the hardest thing to ascertain from the pro game is that. But situations like this help you in that cause because there are some guys, and people are shocked to hear this, and you shouldn't be, but it's the truth, that even though they're handsomely paid, will say, you know what, I'm not going to work as hard. I'm going to just get yeah. by and not and just do my job. You don't want that. You want guys that are going to get the type of effort required to win football games. And just doing your job, that's a start. You don't want to do too much, but you certainly want to have a 
reflection that when you step on a football field from a practice preparation and all the things that lead to the game, that you're invested and that you're bought in. Those are the guys that you want to keep around. Be a pro. You need pros, right, Gerard? I mean, you got to have some pros, and it feels like we had some. I was, I thought that was a, oh, that was, a really that was pleasing. Believe me, it was. Yeah, me too, man. We've seen some that haven't been around here in the last twenty years or so. So it was good to see one that did, um, and still understand what's to play for. I wanted to get your field eye view of what you see, what you've seen from a progression from Deshaun Watson. Uh, what are a couple of areas that you think he's improved the most upon from a couple of weeks ago in Houston, and where do you think it still needs to go? Uh, the the <laughs> when you use the word blatantly obvious it sounds negative, <laughs> but it is blatantly yeah. obvious, but not in the negative sense, but in the positive sense that he's more comfortable. Yeah, I mean he's just you sense it with his body language. I mean week one he was like, all right guys, uh, help me here. Um, I, it's been a while, seven hundred days to now, and you want this out of quarterback. Not that you want to yell at guys, but when guys aren't doing their job, what the blank are you doing? Why didn't you do this? That type of command. And there's nothing wrong with that when guys are doing the wrong things that you let them know. Directing guys where to line up, where to go, and just having a presence about you that this is your football team and you're in command and they should follow your lead because you're confident and you know what the heck you're doing. So I saw that jump. I thought it jumped last week against the Bengals, and I felt that he was even more omnipresent this week against the Ravens. And here's the crazy thing, Bo. This was his third preseason game going against one of the best That's right. defenses in the National Football League, second to only the 49ers, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it was, um, you know, it's even, I just, it was good to see him. I felt like this was the first one where he was kind of himself just in, tor- mm-hmm. in terms of like loving the game. Um, when he, when he, when he took off up the middle and they're in the cover zero and they send the blitz and he just. He picks up 30 yards and gets the first down and gets up and celebrates. You're like, that's the Deshaun Watson I remember in Houston. That type of joy again. Gerard, it feels like he's fine. he found his joy again on Saturday Oh, night. he certainly did because it's like, man, yeah, because that week one, man, can I even play football still? I mean, throwing stuff yeah. in the ground and all that. But go back to that other bootleg play. Recall this one where he, I believe he threw it to Coop, where mm-hmm. he ran literally to the other side of the football field and threw a beautiful, accurate, if you will, pass to his receiver for a huge gain. You know how hard of a pass that is Yeah. to complete? And on top of that, in the weather conditions that we find ourselves in, and going into this season, here's another thing I'm happy to see. What was the knock? What was the concern? Can he handle cold weather? Mm-hmm. He looked fine to me. Now, granted, this week will be extreme cold weather, but for what he did last week will probably be the norm this time of the year as opposed to what we're about to experience. I thought he did a phenomenal job. Yeah, that's the um, you know he just doesn't have a lot of experience in it, right? And in terms of what you could see this, I mean, you're talking about wind gusts could be upwards of sixty miles an hour on Saturday. So, oh my God. There, there is no. Am I just breaking all this news to you? Buddy? Yeah, man. Where, where, what where's, where's my weather report? Because he's didn't coming get all in for this, a dog. victory Monday. He's coming in living his best in, life, and he's like, "Well, now I don't." Gibbs, I'm out. I'm out on Saturday. <laughs> like with all the, this, you just told me it's gonna be eight. negative eight and sixty mile per hour winds. <laughs> How's this There's, game even being played? Great question. Well, Gibby's not sure it will be. Who knows? Yeah, we're playing. You'll play. I, I don't know play. what it's going to look like. I don't know what logistically. Maybe we're spending the night at First Energy before. Well, this will be one week where if Nathan and Jim do not come to me on the sideline, I will not lament. <laughs> Send to you. <laughs> no, it's, I'm so, going to you extra now. It'll be uh, – so yeah, that that one will that's a wild if that weather holds and we're a long way out, but if that nuts. weather holds, then that's just trying to survive is all 
that one is and try to stack wins. Um, I wanted to ask you about this because, you know, we're, we kind of we brush through it a little bit and we'll talk about, you know, a glimmer of hope in the postseason or whatever. But as long as it's not zero, it helps, right? It's it's you're saying there's a chance and there's a lot of things that need to happen. But as long as you have still in the hunt, that helps, doesn't it, Jerron? Uh, it certainly does help. I mean, you don't ever want to take the perspective. You always want to play for something. Your mentality has to be that you never – and when you are mathematically eliminated, it is a defeated, a defeated feeling. It really is because you yeah. feel like the season was a loss, and it's like, what are we doing? And then those things that come into your mind that you try to avoid and not talk about start rearing its ugly head and becoming more pronounced in your mind. So, yes, when you even have a .0001% chance – that's still better than zero. Yeah, it is. What do you uh, when when you think about New Orleans coming in here? Um, I mean, honestly, these next three are all very, very winnable. Well, New Orleans, Washington, and oh God, can you imagine going? From I, Bourbon I played Street? in New Orleans, and I can tell you that when we went to play against the Giants in like October, November, and it was forty, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> oh man! So imagine. <laughs> No. What is about to hit them? And I know there's some guys who from that squad who played in cold weather. Yeah, some Buckeyes uh, on there, yeah. And so, so I mean, it is you can survive for four or five games, but it that type of cold it will mess you up, and we'll, it will be really. And they they have. I mean, granted, they can still win their division, I guess, with how crazy it is. And obviously, Jarvis will be coming back to town, so it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds and what type of reception he'll get. As I think about that, but. It's in your blood now at this point, and it's yeah. it's a harsh thing to deal with. It's almost like you want hazard pay on top of what you're already getting when you come from these conditions, from like a Miami or a Louisiana to all of a sudden go into a place like where what we have here from a weather standpoint. Now, my man, you played for Ditka in New Orleans. I mean, it, you know, Chicago. Like, what's his pep talk to you Saturday? <laughs> With this, with what uh, you're dealing I, with, I, I just have Can to say, I'm, po- I'm poking the bear. <laughs> you sure because are. Gerard is is a lover of everyone on the planet, except for one. Yep, <laughs> except for one. Let's go it another way then. What is your giving? Oh, I asked him so for you. It was going to be definitely. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Blatantly negative. <laughs> <laughs> what is what is the most what what's the worst conditions you played in in New England in, in all of the games? Is it can you is there one that jumps out that was Brutal. The coldest game that I ever played in was a AFC divisional game, or it could have been a championship game against the Titans. I'm not quite sure, and I believe it was like negative eight, but it felt okay. like negative twenty. And when you know how you have that area where they have the heated seats and yep. the, the I, I call the jet engine warming mm-hmm. up the sideline. I mean, as soon as you stepped out of that radius. You felt a chill literally come over your body where you went froze, <laughs> frozen. You were frozen, and your feet hurt like, and that's the hardest thing, especially for DBs because you can't really put a lot of socks or any type of warmers inside of your shoes because you want to be a tight fit. And then you're essentially running on what feels like pavement because everything's frozen. Yeah. So that was probably the worst because to be honest with you, Bo, I like when it's snowing. That's actually sure, easier. That's and it's warmer, yeah. actually, and it's not as bad. It's the wet rain. So the worst conditions you can have is when it's a still night, no cloud covering, and it's just flat-out freezing like that was that night with the Titans game. Or if you have a situation where it's windy and it's raining. You hate those conditions because just, just, the cold just seeps into you. 
why why don't more I see this all the time as even from our guys I'm curious what they'll do why does why do most why don't more guys wear sleeves and and long sleeves I see a lot of bare arms even in these cold cold temperatures sending a message so the message is, is, is it, does it do anything does it work it feels yeah, well, like I'd rather just have the layer man I see I was at the point of the mindset of I know I'm tough. I don't need you to tell me if I'm tough. That's if right. I have I'd a, be with you. So that's so, how I would be. So my teammates yep. be like, before the game, we all about to go out there sleeveless. I was like, the hell with that. <laughs> I'm not going out there sleeveless, and I know I'm no. actually tougher than you. So, so I wasn't about that. I'm like, I'm trying to stay as warm as I possibly could, especially at this time when I'm just doing primary special teams where I got to just stand on the sideline for the entirety yeah. of the game. It's different when you're a starter and you're playing a lot. Because your your blood is flowing more, so I get that. But really, to be honest with you, that's more of a statement that the cold is not going to beat me down. Now, here's what I want to see. To his credit, David Njoku has done nothing but be shirtless yep. before every game. Every game. Oh, I know. If he pulls this caper off this week, <laughs> even more power to him. That's what I said earlier. I, I, that was my challenge. You walk around shirtless, that's fine when it's – Balmy, uh, when yeah. it's a balmy 25 degrees. Let me see it this Saturday. Oh, gosh. Come on, man. Chief. Hypothermia. I've talked, some of the Buckeye guys uh, talk about wearing, like, we'll do like a layer, a thick layer, like Vaseline. Oh, yeah. That's part of the trick of the trade. You know, oh, that, it, the, it helps. Yeah, it blocks. It, in. it just blocks. I mean, basically, you want to do anything that can block, that won't be absorbed quickly by your skin. And Vaseline is the perfect deal. And it, it'll block the pain receptors. This crazy well you have that to look forward to hey buddy i want to tell you uh first time you've been on with us since um since i think every since you guys been having the year you guys are killing it it's an awesome broadcast you're doing a great job buddy and it's a it's a fantastic easy fun listen the three of you guys are doing so good job out of you on that and thank you for your time today i appreciate it bo all right the great gerard cherry uh sidelines on the browns radio network there's nothing quite like tailgating touchdowns and twisted tea. It tastes just like real iced tea. You know why? Because it's made with real brewed tea. Cool, refreshing, and a 5% kick of alcohol. It's thirst down and gold. Twisted tea, hard iced tea. Keep it twisted. The Victory Monday continues. Presented by Tito's Handmade Vodka. The Hoff coming up next. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Third down at 10, Huntley throwing across the middle, and it's intercepted at the 10-yard line. The Browns steal the ball, it's Denzel Ward. What a play by Denzel Ward as he jumped the road on Deshaun Jackson. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. OBM, the official printer partner of your Cleveland Browns. Whether you depend on the Browns to win, you can depend on OBM. They'll tackle any size office. The number is 216-485-2000 or visit ohiobusinessmachines.com. As we start the second hour of the program, or as we like to refer to it, the Joe Thomas hour of the program. The Hoff is here on a Victory Monday. Pure joy, Hoff. Pure joy. Bo, how are we doing today? I know I'm feeling great. Still kind of living high off that big win from Saturday. Yeah, it was, you know, buddy, what was cool about it? I led the show with this, and I wanted to get your view on it, too, because I kind of looked at that game as almost, look, this this season has not gone the way any of us wanted. I think we can all acknowledge that. But it was almost like a uh, a present in the holiday season 
to the fan base, to the players themselves, uh, to the front office, to the coaches, to everybody involved. It was a snow globe night. It was a magical night. You know how great those are when the snow starts to flicker under the lights at First Energy Stadium. And then to just get a win against the hated Ravens. Are there things that need to be sorted out? For sure. Um, but it was just a fun Saturday night at the old ball yard for me, buddy. And, and I know you were down there. And it, it to me, it was just much needed, and it couldn't have come at a better time. No doubt. Yeah, fun, I think, is the operable word. Playing on a Saturday just kind of feels a little bit more special, you know? I think mm -hmm. when you play in one of those games where you're the only game on at that time slot, whether it be Thursday or Monday night or Sunday night, it's just a little bit more special. And I think being that they don't play a lot of Saturday games during the season, it was cool. And so there was kind of a fun atmosphere, a little bit of a carnival atmosphere just being around the stadium that day. Uh, playing against the Ravens, obviously Deshaun Watson's first game in front of the home fans. Um, and the setting was great. Like there was some snowflakes flying. Like you mentioned, it was cold, but it wasn't freezing where it just took the wind out of your lungs. Uh, the field looked incredible. It was just good old fashioned football. I think there was a lot of nostalgia that really kind of seeped through my body just watching it be kind of a slugfest, kind of cold weather, AFC North, Ravens, Browns. And then for us to be able to pull it out where it was a little dramatic, but it wasn't giving you a heart attack at the end. It just <laughs> felt like it was the right ending to a fun day. Yeah, it was. And, and another thing that I thought was really cool was, um, you know, you always measure this time of year. Or I do at least. I, I, I always want to know, like, what's the give a damn level of the team, right? How much are you invested in trying <laughs> to win on a given Saturday night? Because, look, this is these are the dog days of an NFL season when you're eliminated. Now, this team isn't. There's still a glimmer of hope in the postseason. It's tough, but it's there. Um, but I saw tremendous give a damn. I, I saw guys celebrating. I saw Miles and Perry on. I saw Denzel have the game that he had. We saw Deshaun Watson stand up after a 30-yard gain and point like he did in Houston a couple of years ago. It feels like, and we'll have more on him in a second I want to ask you about, but it just felt like every Everybody on the team knew how important the game was and that their give a damn on a scale of one to 10 was at an 11, which for me mattered a lot. Am I overreading that or is that something that that you now that you're you're done with your playing career? Do you look at games this time of year and just say who's emotionally invested? Yeah, I agree. It, it felt like there was joy. You know, that that yeah. was the word for fans when we were walking out of there. That, I think that was the word watching the players on the field. And I don't know if that's because they're listening to Miles sell the playoff hope or they understand how finishing this season strong and finding out what this team can be with Deshaun Watson, what are the things that he does well, who's he going to mesh with, who's he going to build those bonds and those big moments, and how does that carry over to next season? Like We all understand as Browns fans how important these last games are, and it seems like the players are feeling that as well. And um, That's a great feeling, and I think that's a big-time reflection of Kevin Stefanski and the coaches, because it can be a little bit tough selling hope at the end of a season when you got like less than a 1% chance to make the playoffs. But Stefanski certainly had these guys ready to play. They were out there, and it wasn't just a bunch of robots running around trying to mail it in. I mean, they definitely, it was meaningful to them to play well and to get this victory. And hopefully you see that same team next Saturday. Yeah, stack them a little bit here. It'd be fun to finish. I think it matters, Joe, does it, to go 5-1 and one with Watson, to be 9-8 and eight overall, another winning record? Is that something that – are you talking about that if you're a veteran in the room, those type of things? I, I don't know if you talk about, you know, hey, let's win the last three or something like that because you never really want to look too far down the road. But I sure. think you definitely are, are sharing that message of, hey, we want to finish strong because – 
this is our team for next year. You know, there's going to be a few changes, of course, but for the most part, like now that you've got Deshaun Watson back, the core group of your stars are all going to be here next year. And you want to have that hope that builds through the end of the season and then it continues to progress during the offseason because the more hope you have, the more guys are going to buy into what the coaches are selling in the offseason. The easier it is for those veteran leaders to be able to motivate those guys to show up, to give their best effort, to prepare themselves for what could be a championship run next season. Yeah, certainly so. Let, let's have the Deshaun Watson conversation now. Um, first time out, pretty rough. You know, one hopping some balls that he normally hits. Um, it felt like he was, um, well, he just struggled. Body language struggled, all of it. Then got better in Cincinnati. You saw some throws here and there. You're like, okay, it's coming. Um, this one wasn't wow you. I mean, this wasn't 22, a, a 28 for 284 and four scores. Wasn't that at all. Uh, but what I saw, at least and from an amateur perspective, was someone who looked pretty damn comfortable and, and looked like he found his joy. We've used that word a lot today. It looks like he found his joy playing the position again. What have you seen for him over these three games and, and maybe the, the biggest positive progression? You know, if you look at his stats from the last three weeks, you know, it might look like it's a little up and down. Obviously, everyone agrees. First game, throw it in the, the crapper. That was no yeah, good. Right. Uh, he was throwing balls in the dirt. He was missing guys that were open. He was late on his reads. And that's to be expected. 700 days without playing in an NFL game, your mind is just going to process things slow. Like, that's just what happens. Being a quarterback in the NFL is more about decision-making than any other aspect of playing quarterback and it's how quickly you can make those decisions and get the ball to the guys that are supposed to have the football and he was really bad in week one with that week two much better you saw some glimmers of hope but in this game I think confidence is that great word I think you may have used that too like it looked like he looked comfortable he was yeah. much more comfortable running the offense he was more comfortable throwing the ball when he needed to throw it. I'll, I'll remember one play that really stuck out to me. I think it was Amari Cooper was running like sort of a deep out route. Um, and he just laid it over the top of the defender perfectly where only Amari could get it. And he had to get it in there with time so that it was in there. The receiver could make the catch before getting out of bounds. I mean, it was just one of those throws that you say, yep, that's a tier one quarterback. That's mm -hmm. the throw of a guy that can win you a Super Bowl. That's why you bring him here. And it definitely seemed, just from watching him, not talking with him or anything, that there was probably some nervousness from Deshaun's part about, hey, how am I going to be received at home? He knew he was going to get some booze on the road, especially that first game uh, uh, in Houston. But he always, I, I'm sure he was wondering, hey, how are they going to receive me here? Because the season hasn't gone as expected. You know, how much of that are they going to put on me and coming here and, and the suspension? And I think... When he went out there and started playing well and he was starting to feel the home crowd behind him, uh, that definitely seemed to boost some of that confidence. And he was making the right decisions in that game. Now, he only had yeah. 28 passes. Um, I thought he looked really sharp. I thought he made some nice plays with his legs that scare yeah. a defense. And a lot of times when you got a quarterback like Deshaun that can beat you with his legs, not only just running the football, but evading sacks, getting out of the pocket, and then delivering the football – there's a lot of things that they do that put pressure on a defense that don't still don't show up on a stat sheet because now a defense has to play you differently. They got to be more careful rushing the passer. They got to be a little bit more careful in their coverage. They can't take as many chances earlier on after the, the football is snapped because they're worried about, Hey, if I jump this route, 
there's a good chance Deshaun just holds on to the ball. And now I'm toast because now my guy is running 50 yards down the field and he can hit him from wherever because he's got that cannon for an arm. So <clears throat> I think from a what does the quarterback bring to you at that position, he was his best out of the three games on Saturday as he was all season here. So you're making steady progress. And I think that's exactly what you've wanted to see from the quarterback at this, at this moment in the season. Hoff, when you were in with us last Monday, we talked about, and and you brought the point up of, Hey, this is different when you're in the offensive line, when he breaks pocket, you got to let go. So you're having to learn kind of a new skill on that offensive line. Um, Was this the best this line has looked since Deshaun's been back? Or I guess since he's been here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think you're exactly right. Uh, It's funny how players feed off of each other. And, you know, Mm -hmm. your quarterback's playing better. All of a sudden it makes the offensive line look better. And then they play a little bit better. And then it makes your job easier. And all of a sudden you're running the football better. You know, everything just hand in glove on a football team as a whole. And that's as uh, obvious on offense as it is on defense or special teams. Uh, And when you see a quarterback like Sean getting comfortable, hitting his receivers, extending plays, pulling the ball when he needs to on your zone reads, you see the offensive line starting to understand how they need to block a little bit longer when he's in the pocket. And when all of a sudden he evades and gets outside the pocket, got to learn to let go. Like we saw that progress from the offensive line sort of getting comfortable with him. And I think that's why I've, t- I've said a number of times, like these last now three games of the season, they're crucial, right? For everybody yeah. to learn how to play with Deshaun. It is too. And, and I, I mean, this was the best defense that, that we're going to face in this stretch. I mean, this is a top two or three defense in the league since mm-hmm. getting Roquan Smith. They've basically been the best defense in the league. It's kind of them in San Francisco at the very mm-hmm. top. Uh, to be able to run it with some effectiveness, 143 yards on the ground. Uh, Nick Chubb just a shade under 100 with 99 yards, had the 18-yarder for the long. Uh, but we're able to move the ball on the ground a little bit. I mentioned those big Deshaun, um, the big scrambles, including the big 17-yarder. I mean, th- this has to make you feel like it's, it's baby steps, right? But the baby steps are starting to get bigger and bigger. Absolutely. And I think more than anything, like just watching that this offense is playing mistake-free football, when you're in close games, like that's what you have to have. That's what wins it. It's, it's like the hidden yardage. They always talk about special teams is hidden yardage, tackling, hidden yardage, whether you get the guy down or he breaks it for another four yards. How many times does that happen in a game? You know, turnovers. Big mistakes. Like, you didn't see that on offense, which that may have been the best thing that yeah. we saw on Saturday from this offense, right? Because you got a quarterback who just hasn't played until three weeks ago in 700 days. And how was that going to affect the offense? How was that going to disrupt the timing that everybody's got? How was that going to screw up uh, people's assignments and their roles? And it seems like they're they're clicking, right? And when you're playing against a team like the Ravens, they, they didn't really have the ability to throw the football down the field. They just don't have receivers, right? Mark Andrews, he's a great tight end, and that's it. There's no other names on that list that yeah. you're really worried about. So from a passing standpoint, you knew it was going to be probably a low-scoring game. You were going to be able to kind of commit to your run a little bit more than you would than if you're playing a team like, let's say, a Buffalo or a Kansas city where, you know, they're going to score and you're going to have to keep up with them uh, no matter what your defense really does. So it'll be interesting to see how 
things move on here when we go to New Orleans and Washington, who have a little bit better offenses. They're not at the top of the NFL, but they can score a little bit more than Baltimore with, with Tyler Huntley. But I, I thought it was nice to watch the patience of that offense and the fact that they didn't make any mistakes against the Baltimore defense that's pretty good at getting a lot of turnovers. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And and here's the other thing about this that's that I think is really important here in the last month or so of the season. Uh, Joe Woods' defense has turned a corner, hasn't it, Hoff? I mean, this was the one of the worst units in the league in the second week of October. I think Nash, I think now they're 17th. Um, so they were bend but don't break against Baltimore over the weekend, which was fine. Bowed up in the red zone. Uh, it helps when the greatest kicker of all time misses a couple of field goals, which he never does, but we'll take them. Um, but I, it does feel like Joe Woods' yeah. unit has, has turned a corner, haven't they? I think so. If you look at the stats, you're going to say, oh, they almost had two yards rushing, you know. We, we still can't stop the run, which I give you that. It's true. However, you're playing to win the game, right? So the defensive game plan is a little bit different. And you're going to say to yourself, look, Tyler Huntley is not going to throw the ball over our heads and yeah. beat us. He just can't do it. They don't have the receivers. He doesn't have the accuracy with the arm to do it. So you're going to say, almost like we used to say, I don't know, that's how we played high school football. We say, hey, they're going to run the ball, right? We know that. Just don't give up the big play. Yeah. And when they get to the red zone, force them to kick field goals, right? Or force them to go 10 to 12 to 15 plays to get down the field. Eventually, they're going to screw up. They're going to get in a second or third and long, and they won't be able to convert. That's the game plan because they're trying to win. They're not trying to win the stat sheet. They're trying to win the score at the end of the game. And so I think that's part of the reason why they gave up so many rushing yards. Uh, now, also, you got to remember Baltimore is a pretty good rushing attack. But I think more than anything, the defense has shown really good progress, which shows you a lot of hope here to finish the season. And then I'm sure even Joe Woods would tell you, hey, if we finish strong and we continue to make progress, we – you know, whatever happens scoreboard-wise, but the defense shows up, New Orleans, Washington, Pittsburgh. At that point, whatever happens, happens. you got to look at the totality of what they've done during the season, which was incredibly disappointing and beyond at the beginning of the season, much better at the end of the season. And then you got to live with it because that's, that's who you are as a defense. But um, to see them making progress, to see them doing a lot of the things that they didn't do at the beginning of the year, which specifically in coverage, being able yeah. to communicate. Now, they played almost exclusively zone coverage because they were worried about Tyler Huntley running. And you don't want to play man because then you got your secondary guys turning their backs and running. So there was a lot of zone, and there was a lot of opportunities to screw up communication, and you didn't see it. And so you got to feel really good about that. Yeah, absolutely you do. Always feel good when it's the Joe Thomas Hour here on Cleveland Browns Daily. We'll hand out some game balls, go around the AFC North. It's coming up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Huntley in the backfield, in the shotgun. He's got Ricard with him. Duvernay in motion. Huntley play action, fake throws, middle caught. Demarcus Robinson's got it up to the 40, and he fumbled the ball. The Browns are on it. Are they going to give it to them? Are they going to give it to the Browns? Yes, they are. Recovered by John Johnson. And they've got it at the Raymond 39. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Elk and Elk Serious Lawyers, Serious Injuries. Call 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk's a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. As we welcome you back into a Victory Monday presented by Tito's Handmade Vodka here on Cleveland Browns Daily. Brought to you by BallyBet coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, Hoff, time for some game balls to dish out here on a Victory Monday. Who gets your offensive game ball, sir? I'm going to give it to Nick Chubb. He had a very Nick Chubb-esque outing, one that you'd expect as the weather gets cold on the shores of Lake Erie. 21 carries, just a shade under 100 yards, over four yards per carry. Uh, He was dominant. He looked great. A lot of outside runs, which is kind of what he's known for. But getting back on track after a real tough outing last week, and I think looking forward, the weather gets a little bit more nasty here on Saturday against the Saints, so... We may get a lot more Nick Chubb here as the season wears on and the weather gets even worse, but it was great to see him get back on track uh, and start doing Nick Chubb stuff. Well, let's just stay there just for a second, Hoff, because just a little bit worse is actually potentially just a lot worse. I mean, we're talking (laughs) like like it could be like 14 minus eight feel like wind gusts. uh, The early wind gusts are showing like 63 mile an hour wind. Mm on the oh maximum boy. wind gusts, sustained Good wind Lord. up to the 40s. Um, you grew up in Wisconsin. I grew up out west. I know cold weather when I see it. Uh, but I'm, <laughs> I, I, I never had to play anything quite like that, luckily enough. How do you – how do you? What's the best – how would you go about this? You played in some brutal games, obviously, from a temperature standpoint. How would you tr- stay warm? How would you handle the elements? Yeah, it's brutal. Um, I think anytime it gets into the teens – that's when it's not fun anymore. Like the, the boys, they, they probably had a lot of fun on Saturday because, you know, it was about 30, which once you're heated up and they've got the heaters and the heated benches on the sidelines and you're running around, you're, you're not getting cold at all. You're, you're feeling fine. And it was a little bit windy, but it wasn't too bad. Um, but I played in a few games, 2018, right in the middle of December, we played a game against the Bengals. I think Carson Palmer was even still their quarterback at the time, and it was awful. It was miserable. I got real sick for like three, four days after that because you just get cold into your bones. You can't warm yeah. up. The field froze, so your your cleats were slipping because even with uh, the heated field, like when it's around zero and there's wind chill, it, it doesn't really matter that there's warm water yeah. going through pipes under that grass. Like that thing is freezing. It's just way too cold. Um, so one thing that I learned as my career went on, I – Spent a lot of time watching the guys with the orange sleeves that managed the TV timeouts. Ah. Because a lot of times, you know, there's a turnover or kickoff, something like that. And you see the young young and dumb guys just sprinting out on the field to go stand there in the huddle. But no, they still no, got no. three and a half minutes of commercials <laughs> they got to get through. So they're standing out there freezing their cajones <laughs> off where I'm standing in front of the heater on the sideline watching the guy with the orange gloves. And I can tell you a few times towards the end of my career as I'm trying to stay warm on the sideline, they're in the huddle and nobody else realizes they got like two minutes before you can even snap the football because they're still in commercial and everyone's going, where's Joe? Where's Joe? Is he hurt? Like what happened? <laughs> Somebody get Joe. And I'm over there standing in front of the heater looking like I'm over a fire in a barrel in the park. So I, w- I will say, hopefully those guys learned that lesson because last Saturday didn't matter. This next Saturday, it's going to yeah. matter. I'm looking at the weather now that you said something. I knew That's it was going to be cold. 34 mile an hour wind, like average. Oh my God. Yeah. It's going to be like minus in the teens wind chill. That's just awful. Because yeah. it's really the wind that crushes you because that's what sucks the heat off your, your fingers. And for guys... That got to touch the football, like having 
heat and warm on your fingers is so important for being able to move those fingers. Otherwise, they just kind of slow down. They get frozen. Can you imagine being the – I mean, good luck in New Orleans simulating that, huh? That <laughs> yeah, right. Down there. <laughs> they're going to turn the AC on in their practice facility. It'll be down <laughs> to 55. Nice 55. 55 degrees. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, all right, more game balls. Let's do defense. Who gets your game ball on defense, sir? Oh, got to be Miles Garrett. I mean, that's an easy one. He was dominant once again. Uh, he's just had a tremendous year. And I know that because the defense hasn't played well and team-wise, not really in the mix, although still a chance for the playoffs, he's not getting maybe the recognition he should get for defensive player of the year. But hopefully now that he had a sack and a half in the game on Saturday and a TFL, his numbers are going to be good enough where people are going to give him uh, – at least some consideration for defensive player of the year. Because if you look at any of the advanced metrics, like the PFF grades or pass rush win rate, which basically means how many times did you beat the dude across from you? Now, in order to beat the guy across from you and get a sack, there's other things that are out of your control that have to happen. Namely, all right, what was the play? Did the quarterback hold on to the football? How was the coverage? Like those things matter if you win and get the sack versus just winning. So most people, when they're evaluating, hey, who's the best player in the NFL or how valuable is this defensive player? Most people look at, all right, how many times did he beat the block? And Miles is beating his block more than anybody in the NFL, hands down. Um, so hopefully he can kind of continue picking up a sack and a half or so every yeah. game, and then he gets an opportunity to get that defensive player of the year honor. Because I know it's important to him, right? Like he's he's talked yeah. about it a little bit, but maybe he's a humble, not not a real loud guy. He's unselfish, so he doesn't talk about it a lot. But I think he just deserves it so much. He's been so dominant, and I think for Browns fans that would be maybe uh, a little consolation prize on a tough year if miles was able to win the defensive player of the year well the other thing as you know about this is when it comes time i mean he's 27 so a lot of career left obviously right in the prime of it but when you look back and you think about like hall of fame candidacy and those type of things miles is on the trajectory to be a hall of fame type player that's the type of start to career that he has Uh, but the first thing that you look for if you're one of those voters is all pros defensive players of the year i mean those are the measuring sticks right you have to have those things and if you have a defensive player of the year sometimes if you don't have the all pros that match that it can override it a little bit so yeah he would I I think you're right it does feel like a sack and a half the last three games that would get him to what 15 and I'd get him to 16 I'd get him to 18 if he could be around 18 sacks and we're nine and eight you got a shot I think at that level I really do I think that's I think that's a play, and I think that would be important. I know it would be important to him. Um, Gibby wants a wild card game ball. Do you have a wild card game ball, Hoff? Yeah, actually, um, how about Dalen Baldwin, right? Like, he only had a couple catches. We haven't seen a whole lot from him this season, uh, but they were big catches in this game. What was it, the end of the second uh, quarter there, going on an 11-play drive down the field to get a field goal to get up? six to three which turned out to be a really pivotal moment and when you're playing these kind of grudge matches these back and forth field goal type games those field goals are huge and the team that has the lead it's it's so important because now you can do what the browns did in the second half you can just chew up clock you can throw dink and dunk passes down the field you can continue to hand the football off because playing with the lead is just crucial in those games and so i think He came up big for Deshaun Watson on uh, two plays on that drive. And it was one of those where, you know, he makes the catch and you're going, oh, 
Who is that? Yep. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was our rookie this year. And you're going, okay, you can start to see like and, and talk yourself as a fan into like, hey, maybe Deshaun Watson's going to have a connection with one of these guys that maybe Jacoby Brissett didn't for whatever reason. Yeah, no, that's I, I like that one. That's a good one. And, and because of our win, uh, we did our neighbors down 71 south a favor. The Bengals are now in first mm-hmm. place. The Ravens dropped to second at nine and five. Cincinnati plays uh, Buffalo and Baltimore to close. They get they get. Uh, I'm trying to blank, they bl- I'm blanking on who they have this week, but I, I know that it's the oh New England. They got New England yes. this week. They're at New England, and then they host Bills and Ravens. So they could theoretically play for the AFC one seed in two weeks, and they could play for the AFC North in the following week. Um, Gibby asked this question. I think it's a fair one. Are the Bengals the second-best team in the AFC? I might say, are they the second-best team in the NFL right now? Mm. Well, AFC, to me, is the best conference. I know that yeah. people in the NFC East with uh, the Eagles and the, the Cowboys, they're going to tell you about how great they are. But there's just not as much competition, right? That's why their no. records are the way they are. They're just not playing the teams that you are like when you're in the AFC. So. Um, I like the Bengals' ability to kind of win in different ways. To me, the undertold story of last year's Super Bowl run was how good that defense is. You know, they don't have the names, so people don't talk about them all that much. But the reason they went on that Super Bowl run, outside of Joe Burrow being spectacular, was because the defense just matches up really well against anybody. Right? They, they're a yeah. team that, hey, you want to run the ball? Okay, we can stop the run. You want to try to throw the ball down the field? Hey, we got guys that can cover. You know, it doesn't matter what you want to do and how you want to attack them. They can handle it and handle it in spades. Um, and so I think that makes them really dangerous, obviously, in the playoffs. That makes them dangerous down the run. And for them, I think it's really good in December football. If you're one of these teams that's at the top and you have to – find some adversity because everybody kind of comes out flat and maybe doesn't start the way they want at some point. Like nobody wins a Super Bowl and just blows everybody out. But I think it's important and I think it builds uh, some camaraderie. I think it it does a great job sort of toughening your mindset and your focus and your resolve and your belief in yourself when you get behind in a game and Mm -hmm. you're maybe not playing very well and then you have to turn it around and come back and win, uh, kind of like the Bengals did against the Buccaneers last week. I mean, they were, to me, I, w- I was flipping channels, and uh, I saw the Bengals were getting smoked. As me and my yeah. son Jack were watching. I'm like, oh, it's not even a game. Tom Brady, he's back. Like, right. we all thought he was dead. <laughs> like, what bozos for thinking that Tom Brady was dead? You know, that nail's never yeah. going in that coffin. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the game is close. And then it turns out to be a blowout at the end. And the Chiefs had something similar. So I I would say, to me, I like the Chiefs the best in the NFL. And -hmm. then, honestly, I like the Bengals next. And then I'd put the Bills behind them. I think that I love Josh Allen. He's amazing. It scares me, though, with how much they put on his plate. And now it hasn't hurt him yet. But, like, the dude is taking some unbelievable hits. I don't care how big he is. Like, how long can your team put so much on that guy and allow him to take so many big hits before something happens, whether it's just a small injury where he's not able to run the same way or he gets hit and he just can't play. And I think that's a real risk that the bills are running, but I mean, Hey, it's paying off. They're, they're winning a lot of games still. Ask Cam Newton, right? Cam was the same way. I mean, all the, I mean, Cam ran it even more, but like everyone was, Oh, Cam's so big. He can take out. No, you can't. There's so many. 
Yeah. You can't. You yeah. can't keep doing that. So, um, yeah, you you can feel that. He takes he gets haymakered, man, a lot. Allen does. Mm. Um, yeah. All right, coming up next, we'll go around the league. I think it was – I mean, you watch your hyperbole on a, on a reaction Monday. Mm-hmm. I think it was as stupefying a loss as I've ever seen. And I understand that we saw the Jets uh, down 13 beat us here, but this one was – worse or equally uh we will get into that coming up next as we go around the league you listen to cleveland browns daily brought to you by Ballybet. coming soon to ohio on 850 espn cleveland watson underneath center there was movement watson bootlegs left got a man open it's caught and joku 10 He wants to jump into the crowd right now. It's going to be first and goal for the Browns inside the five at the Raven four. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And Rumpke Waste Recycling, family-owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer, as an employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more as we continue with the Joe Thomas Hour of Cleveland Browns Daily as we go around the league. So I teased the most stupefying result I've ever seen or end to a game. Now, honestly, you could apply this to about four of these games. I think we all know I'm talking about the Patriots, but the Colts blew a 33-0 lead to the Vikings on Saturday. The end of the Patriots game, Hoff, have you ever at any level seen anything like that? No, I haven't. And I remember watching that live when it was going on, and <laughs> I had to like get closer to the TV because I couldn't even believe what was going on. That's right. And I thought it was tied, which it was. Mm-hmm. Because right. I was watching the red zone and they were kind of going back and forth and uh, the Raiders had scored a touchdown and then they got the two-point conversion to tie it. And so in my head, I'm like, overtime, right? Well, all of a sudden, then they come back because I'm watching the Stanford band play from the Patriots, which only happens when you're <laughs> losing and you have to score. And so yep. for a moment there, I thought maybe either I misremembered and I was not drinking any beer at the time. So I'm like, okay, I obviously <laughs> didn't have too many cocktails because I'm not drinking. <laughs> So I missed something, and then I, w- I walked real close to the TV, and I saw that it was tied, and I go, what in the world is going on? And, you know, there's no way that any of the coaches called for that, and so no. I was trying to figure out, like, how did this possibly happen? Because they're running a draw at that moment just to basically run the clock out, which, in hindsight, they probably should have need on it, but I can't imagine that that's ever happened before where you run a draw, and it doesn't and nothing happens besides the game is over. So now I'm sure that most teams are going to just kneel it out in that moment instead of run a draw. But either way, they run the draw. And I think what happened is Ramondre Stevenson, he breaks out into the open. He gets to mm-hmm. the Raiders 30. And then he throws this kind of semi-hook pass over his head to Jacoby Myers. And I think because the Patriots practice situational football as much as anybody else in the NFL. I mean, I played for two different Patriots disciples with Romeo Cornell and Eric Mangini, and we practice those situations a lot. Those end-of-game situations are something you hit at least once or twice a week. So we did the Stanford band play. We did, okay, you need a touchdown from the 20. You need a field goal from the 20. All right, you need a touchdown from the 30. You need a field goal. Like, we did all those things. We did the jump ball. Like, And I think what happened was as soon as Jacoby Meyer saw his running back lateraling to him, he sort of went on to autopilot, but the wrong autopilot. It's kind of like, all right, if, if you're driving your buddy home and he lives close to you, you guys start yep. chatting, you start driving down the road like you're going to your house, you go on autopilot because you're not thinking about that. And all of a sudden, pretty soon before you know it, you're driving to your house instead of his house. That's exactly <laughs> what happened with Jacoby Myers. 
he was driving to the Stanford band playhouse when it should have been the get down play. The game is going into overtime. And so while he's getting a lot of heat, understandably so, because he made the most epic collapse of all time decision and throwing it right to Chandler Jones from the Raiders who turned around and steamroll stiff armed Mac Jones on the way to like, I mean, I felt so bad. I mean, the guy's got no chance. I mean, he gave great effort. Like he, he lined him up like it was the Tennessee drill, like he was a safety back in high school and just got absolutely erased from the field. Um, but in that moment, I could see that look on Jacoby Myers' face like he was running the wrong play. I think he knew the situation, but that first lateral just turned his mind into autopilot and he was in the wrong lane. I think you're right. I think, yeah, as soon as Ramondre breaks off the run, you're like, oh, hell, maybe we can win this thing. And yeah. it flips. And your mm-hmm. situational awareness is gone, and all of a yep. sudden you're back in the schoolyard, and you're just yeah. trying to make plays. I mean, it's absolutely that one was absolutely crazy. Uh, we do have some 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 certainty though starting to come into shape with these playoff pictures with three weeks mm-hmm. to go. Um, who do you like in terms of? We, we talked the AFC playoff picture. Obviously, the Eagles are at the top of the NFC. The Vikings mm-hmm. take all of it to come back um, and, and beat Indy, but right now they're the two. The bottom of the NFC is pretty, to me, feels pretty weak. If the mm-hmm. Lions, if they could get in, Joe, are they scary? I think they're scary because they're building a lot of momentum right towards the end of the season. Yeah. They started out just so terrible. But I think, you know, they got a coach that makes them believe in themselves and when you have that, I mean, what have, what have they won? Like six out of their last seven? Six and out of seven. They're gonna have, yeah, they're going to have to win a few here down the stretch, which they've got an easy schedule. they got Carolina, Chicago, and Green Bay. Uh, not great teams. So there's a chance they win out, right? And mm-hmm. you get hot like that, and you believe in yourself. Obviously, you got a fiery coach who the, the players enjoy playing for because he lets his emotions out there. He's a former player. Like, I think – Getting hot at the end of a season is one of the most dangerous things for other teams when you get to the playoffs because you got that belief, you got that hope. And more times than not in the last 20 years, you see the teams that win the Super Bowl are the teams that get hot in December. It doesn't really matter about seeding one seed, two seed. I mean, how many times are we seeing the one and two and three seeds get knocked out early? Because they, they're a really good team, but then they kind of hit cruise control and they ease into the playoffs, whether it, they rest guys at the end or they get that first round by and they think they're ready to play. But the difference between winning and losing in the NFL is very small, especially in the playoffs. Like, yeah, it doesn't take much. And so you take your foot off that accelerator for just half a second and that changes everything. And so I, I, I would not want to play the Lions if they make the playoffs and they continue that hot streak going on the way in there. Huff, we'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, what What are you thinking Christmas meal? What are we doing? What's the play? Yeah, so I, I think I'm going to do a, a beef tenderloin from our steer. We we had a, a steer slaughtered this summer. Just a number. We didn't have a name on that one. No yet. name. Uh, the next one. The next one's named Jack. So I don't oh, have, I don't have Jack. the heart to tell. I don't have the heart to oh, tell Jack God. that he's he's on deck. Oh, his days are numbered. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to do a little uh, beef tenderloin. Mama's going to do like a, a squash that is always a, a, a good play. And then we do like a fettuccine or a, a carbonara pasta and then some Brussels sprouts some roasted Brussels. So that's, that's kind like of our it. go-to. And then we always do Christmas ham because my, my son likes Christmas ham. So we always throw that out there. Well, buddy, a Merry Christmas to you and the family. Uh, a victory Monday next week as well, hopefully, or a Tuesday, whenever it's going to be, but yep. Merry Christmas to you and yours, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. 
Yeah, Merry Christmas, buddy. Thanks for having me on and uh, hope to have another Victory Monday and we can talk all about Christmas presents under our trees. There you go. <laughs> the, the great Joe Thomas, the Joe Thomas Hour of Cleveland Browns Daily. Much more to come. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Be part of one of the most passionate fan bases in the National Football League. Join the Browns. He's a ticket member waitlist today for the best chance at securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. We have a game tonight, Gibbe. One year ago, Baker Mayfield was the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns That's in Green right. Bay on Christmas Day. Tonight? That's right. He goes back to Lambeau Field as quarterback of the Los Angeles Rams. Rams, Packers. Mm-mm-mm. I like the Packers by a couple of scores in this one. 28-17, something like that. They're still in it. That means they're still in it. Yeah, they're still in it. A little bit of fool's gold, I think, for the Rams last week with that drive. But, um, yeah, I I like them coming back to earth and the Packers uh, winning a cold one. Good job out of you, my friend. Good job out of the Hoff, as always. Uh, we thank you for listening to Victory Monday, presented by Tito's Handmade Vodka. The next level is coming up next. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and 850 ESPN Cleveland.